0: iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store.
1: What do you know of hysteria? For? Nothing. But half the women in London are affected. It's a plague of our time. I have just been offered a position by London's leading specialist in women's medicine. Oh no. I must find some way to attend to these women properly. I believe the French should have quite a bit of luck using their tongue. No, no. I want you to meet my daughter. Emily Dalrymple. Your servant, ma'am. I have no doubt that one day she would make a fine doctor's wife. It's a very difficult case, that one.
0: It must be
1: difficult pleasuring half the women in the city. Pleasure has nothing to do with it, I can assure you. Well, I suppose that depends on whether you're over the table or on it. Isn't she a Chinese firecracker? According to your diagnosis, hysteria seems to cover everything from insomnia to toothache. My new generator. My God. <laughs> now, who should we try it on?
0: What do you call that little thing?
1: Well, I was calling it the feather duster.
0: Think of something quick. So the girl knows what to ask for.
1: Women will no longer be denied our rightful place. There's all you are a confounding woman. And you are a good doctor, and you should remain one. Whether you seek it or not, Dr.
2: Granville, you are destined for fame. The a Bigger Appointments
0: book. Please welcome to the stage guest moderator Karen James from IndieWire, Wire, actor Hugh Dancy, and director Tanya Wexler.
2: Thanks for coming. As you can tell from this trailer, there's a lot going on in this film. It's not just a one-note joke movie about the vibrator, but Tanya, tell us how it evolved. How did you get the idea, and how did it turn into the film that
0: we see? Um, I had uh, made two little films, and then four little children, and a friend of mine uh, who's a producer said, I know what your next film is, and I didn't really know what was for dinner that night, and I said, oh, really? And she said, romantic comedy about the invention of the vibrator in Victorian England, and I went, yes please me! So that was it and just six, seven short years later, here we are Yeah.
2: And you, this must have been a crazy idea, someone came to you and said, but you like to play the guy who created the vibrator the,
1: the... I'd been waiting for the call frankly <laughs> um, it, was, it was very simple, I mean that was, that was that's what Is happened, that what they yeah, said? somebody said that and I thought, well yeah, I guess I probably do uh, under the right circumstances, I read the script I met with Tanya, I liked the the tone of the movie that Mm -hmm. that it was trying to strike. Um, So it was pretty simple.
2: Well, how did you find that tone? Because there are a lot of layers here. I think of it as a comedy of sexual manners, really, set at the turn of the last century. And you have a lot of other elements in there with Maggie Gyllenhaal's character. Tell us about all the other elements that fed
0: into that beyond the vibrator. Um, I think you probably put it better than I've ever put it. Uh, <laughs> but it's—I uh, always thought of it as a kind of a romantic comedy, a kind of romantic comedy screwball comedy. Um, but what's interesting, I think, is that it really is not in a sitcommy sense, but it is a situation comedy, and that the comedy derives very much from the absurdity of the situation, which really, you know, happened. I mean, we used a kind of screwball comedy plot, but all the historical bits are true, and so. Really the actors, uh, I think, kind of got it right away that the way to go was to play it straight and let the situation um, be where the comedy came from rather than mugging or pulling for jokes or anything. And uh, for me, that's exactly what I had hoped for. And so we just cast really good people and they did all the work and I
2: chilled out. And you, your character is based on an historical figure, correct?
1: Yes, Mortimer Granville um, really did um, invent the vibrator Although I discovered recently that having done that, once he realised what he'd done, he then tried to remove it from women. He thought that it was like <laughs> too dangerous realize? a thing he created. <laughs> so he wasn't, you know, perhaps as enlightened as the, you know, the version that we portray. Um, and actually, that said, my guy at the beginning of the movie, he's a very, um, you know, he's idealistic young doctor. He believes in his forward-thinking medical theories of the time, like germ theory, and he can't hold a job down because. Uh, you know, he's too, he's too dangerous. Um, so he decides, you know what? Screw this. I'm just gonna get a steady paycheck and the first person will hire me um, and he ends up working for, I end up working for Jonathan Price, who is running a clinic treating women for hysteria. Um, and he's doing that treatment uh, manually. And, um, uh, you know, and I, and I sign up, uh, and it, it's, only, it's only as the movie progresses that I mm-hmm. guess I start to have some idea of what I'm actually doing.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, your character says pleasure has nothing to do with it. Did they really believe that?
1: The, the, weird, the weirdest thing about the movie and the funniest thing about the movie is also the truest, um, the most factual aspect of the movie, which is that these medical men were performing this, this treatment in the belief that the women were suffering from hysteria which was really i mean any woman that was unhappy which in victorian england as you can imagine was quite a few of them um was was essentially suffering suffering from hysteria and that she needed her uterus shifted and um bear with me on this and 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 they would shift her uterus by inducing a paroxysm which they would do by manually manipulating her right you're and, uh, and, the, and, the, and the astonishing thing is that, that they really believed that. I mean, they really believed that. And they weren't, it, well, I don't think it was that they weren't, it, they weren't in denial. They weren't just putting a nice name to it. That's what they thought they were doing. And that's what Mortimer believes at this point in the film.
2: And so you had to play the character that way, completely straight. He believes that it's just a well, nervous release. That's why right? the movie is, yeah.
1: is really, I think, a very successful as a comedy because... Um, I mean, if they knew what they were doing, it'd just be gross.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's a different movie, and that's fine. But... I think that's an excellent line. We should
2: change the tagline. <laughs> it's not gross. And your character has something on his wrist there, because he has he, what well, we would yes, call the RSI, is, right? The problem
1: he suffers is that once he joins um, the clinic that Jonathan Price runs, he, the clinic starts to do very well because he's very good at his job. And he's, you know, he's a, a young, like, dashing doctor, so the appointment book fills up, and he's treating more and more women, and he develops carpal tunnel syndrome. Um, and uh, <laughs> so... So, <laughs> so at this point in the... So, uh, it's too late now, I've made the film. Uh, and, uh, at, at, at this point in the film, he's wearing, like, a wrist brace, like a hand brace to try and, you know, give himself some su- well, this hand, some support.
0: I mean, I think the irony is that the vibrator was invented for a man as a labor-saving device. Right. right. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> and then marketed to women. Yes, marketed to women. And, but I mean, I think also the women... You know, I wasn't really interested in making a film about victims. Oh, those poor women, you know, being put upon by those doctors. I, I think the women also, because they didn't have a... I mean, I, I think the word orgasm was in use, but I, I don't think anyone conceived of the female orgasm in that way. You know, Freud was mucking about then, but really, because there wasn't a word for women's kind of pleasure on her own that wasn't somehow connected to a man, I think neither party really got the picture, mm-hmm. you know?
1: There's a great line early on in the movie when Jonathan's character is explaining to me what, he's actually demonstrating what he does with a, <laughs> with a patient, and he says, like, very off-cuff, you know, just kind of, Passing, he says. Of course, as we know, that the the the, uh, the female cannot experience any sexual pleasure without the actual presence of the male organ, <laughs> and and that and with that as that's the explanation. Then we carry on. You
2: know? so. <laughs> and Tanya, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character was she always that character an important part of the film, or was that something that came in
0: later in the? From no, from the very first two-page description, uh, I. I can't really use the word treatment anymore, actually, even because everything is a pun in this film. Yes. But um, from the very first description that Charlotte Dalrymple is already kind of being formed as really the kind of like who I would have wanted to have been if I could have lived back then. I mean, maybe a little bit more contentious and whatever, but in terms of her politics and her outspokenness, she, you know, she was already, it's really a film about progressives in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hugh's character, Mortimer is a medical progressive and... Is kind of the rest of it's coming along, and uh, Maggie's character is in kind of both the class system and in women, you know, women's rights and everything. And um, and Jonathan's not so much. <laughs> and Rupert uh, in electricity. So there's these kind of cutting edge people looking at you know all these things that are changing, right? They, they didn't sit around and think we're quaint Victorians. They thought we're, we're where it's happening. We're on the cutting edge of you know medicine, and science, and electricity and women's rights, and so. I think what we're watching is this guy who's a kind of a true believer, who kind of becomes a yuppie essentially, loses his way and finds it again. Um, and Maggie's character is the truth teller in that, I believe. And you mentioned Rupert. Tell us about Rupert Everett's character. Uh, so Rupert uh, plays essentially kind of like the essentially the god brother, you know, to Hugh's character. Uh, Hugh's character was the ward of Rupert's parents, and he is a mad inventor and. Uh, really just obsessed with electricity. And they have this great uh, kind of, I don't know, it's a kind of a comic duo chemistry that they have. Um, And, I mean, you'll see they kind of, one night, Hugh has, or I guess I should say Mortimer, has been sacked for the final time. And they just, you know, he's got this horrible hand pain and he's going to lose everything.
2: Did the actual vibrator that he created look anything like that?
0: Um, the vibrators from, I'm, I think I should be a vibratologist now, but I think the vibrators from around kind of 1913 more looked like that. The Granville's Hammer, yes, that's what the first one was called. <laughs> um, it just looks like a little black box with a little weird sticky outy bit with a rubber nose. It's not very cinematic. It's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. So there's some other ones that have more of what we call the hair dryer or gun configuration, depending on one's... Feeling that day, and um, power drill Makita, and it um, and uh, it had different nubs, and you know there were a bunch of different ones that read that configuration very early on, and uh, there's one in the 1918 Sears catalog that looks a lot like that, and yeah, and uh, so we just you know they have this crazy workbench in there, and I wanted to make it feel like they had grabbed like a little mini colander and some curly cute thing, and you know found objects, so they kind of we engineered our own kind of movie version uh, based on about three different ones that were out there, so. And in
2: 1918 in the Sears catalog, how was this advertised?
0: What were they calling it? Uh, I believe it's Home Health Aids Every Woman Appreciates. (laughs) 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 Yes, and we do. But it went went away for a long time because it showed up in a porn film in like the late 20s, early 30s. And so it kind of went much more underground and then Showed up as you know, a back, kind of its origins, a back massager, neck mm-hmm. massager. Mm-hmm. But you know, people are finding. I mean, I bought one off of eBay for sixty bucks that supposedly works. I'm not plugging it into my wall outlet anytime soon. That was like from 19 a White Cross Electric from like 1915. Just because I thought I should have a couple of them, you know, hanging around. And uh, it's it was unbelievable. It's a you know, much sturdier kind of thing than you'd find now. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> and is it true
2: that you gave the cast vibrators as a gift at the wrap party? Uh, no, at no, the first no? day of work. First day. Oh, One of them okay. to be it was happy. Research. Oh,
0: of I mean, it's a happy ending and all, but. But I'm. It was back. actually,
1: it was actually the, the read-through, I think.
0: Yeah. If I remember rightly.
2: I see. So it's you're true. all on the same page about that. Yeah. And those scenes where you are actually uh, treating your patients are very discreetly shot. And you saw a little bit of it in the trailer with the woman who's singing opera. Um, There's a little red curtain. What's really happening under that curtain? How did you shoot those scenes? Well,
1: hang on, that's the mystery of cinema right there. um, Acting is happening.
2: Uh,
1: uh, No, it was, I mean, it was, it's like a little modesty device that we rigged up. Not not for us, but for, you know, imagine as we imagined that they might've used um, at the time so it's got a kind of little pair of red curtains which you could you know, draw back
0: and I thought we'd give the semiotics under. folks a long yeah. you know yeah right a exactly, exactly. <laughs> um,
1: so yes it's all very very delicate and very very medical mm-hmm.
0: okay there's a sandbag under there that, yes explain the sandbag part <laughs> oh right well
1: yeah well that, the idea behind the sandbag was that, was that we felt when we were working out before we shot the film we had a day of rehearsal and one of the things we had to figure out was how best to use that device, and you know, how it would work, and um, where the hand would go, that kind of thing. And, and one thing that we concluded was that, for the sake of verisimilitude, we needed something to apply pressure to. Um, that wasn't an actress. <laughs> and, um,
2: <laughs> Although I'm and sure you could have found some if you'd oh, looked. Right? And, and so we settled
1: on, the, on sandbags because there's always a lot of sandbags sitting around on a film set. You know, they use them to weigh the lights down, the stands and so on. So there was a modesty sandbag there for the sake of, well, it was, yeah, that's probably enough said.
2: That's a new new film term, I think, the modesty sandbag. Right? Yeah, right. Okay.
1: <laughs> if nothing else. Exactly. There'll be a grip that. who
0: will be just
2: assigned to the modesty sandbag exactly, eventually. Right. And you're on stage now in Venus and Fur, which is a play about sexual power plays. Did this character feed into that in any way? or
1: Really not, no. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the tone different. of the play is so uh, so different. I mean. The guy I'm playing on stage is very, very knowing, yeah. and um, it's a play about an actor. Uh, sorry, a, a writer, director, and an actress who comes in, and she essentially forces him to audition her for a part that he's written, which she seems totally inappropriate for. And then, over the course of the evening, as they start auditioning, they they end up in this strange dance together, and um, she she leads him into a lesson about himself in this play that he's written, which is broadly speaking about sadomasochism and fetishism. So I seem to have struck in a kind of rich vein in my career recently. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Um, it's
1: but, your... but, it's, but I mean, I, th- I think that although it, it, it on paper appears to have some similarities to this or themes that it shares, it, it, it's really very different, I think, if you see them both.
2: Okay. And Tanya, when you were getting ready to promote this film, was anybody squeamish about it? Were there certain things that you could or couldn't say in the ads? Or any, any kind of taboos that you ran up against?
0: Uh, so far, no. I mean, I definitely ask um, whoever's kind of arranging the interview, like, is this daytime? Or what are we talking about? But I mean, that actually is one of the things that's kind of surprising is that we got an R rating when, I mean, the women are wearing hats, right? Like, they're wearing clothes. Hats. No one is in. La- you know, bad language. No nudity. And um, I mean, it's fine. I don't expect 14-year-olds to come and see our movies. So it's not really that uh, big a problem. But I just find it curious that the you know movie about 12 12-year-olds murdering each other gets a mm-hmm. PG-13. Um, but uh, I mean, and I like that. that you know, I like the Hunger Games. My kids and I had a great time. <laughs> oh god, that sounds wrong too. Um, but no one is a uh, you know, kind of Muslim. I mean, that's the kind of nice part about making an independent film, mm-hmm. is you just work with your producers and yourself, and you kind of try to make the best movie you can in your eyes. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty. For all the difficulties it is to get it made, I think that's the best part about making an independent film. Yeah. and it has a real voice.
2: And even though it's a period piece, it feels very contemporary in some way. How how did that come about? What do you think is most modern about?
1: The film. i think Maggie 's character is the most modern thing i mean, I mean obviously the humor is okay. some of the humor there but but she is um, e- you know she's a, it's funny we 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 used to talk about the fact that all the things all the all the kind of the values that she that she stands for and that she gives voice to in the movie like you know a woman 's women 's rights basically but but it, I mean it's particularly specifically kind of women 's sexual rights i suppose mm-hmm. and 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 we talked about how that really wasn't the point of the movie because we've already surpassed that point. You know, we've got to that point. We know it. It's it's a lesson for the people in the movie, not the audience. Cut to two years later, and actually, it turns out, not so much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still it being debated in Congress. It's like you know, it's a topic of the, it's it's in the news. Um, I mean, astonishingly. So, um, so I guess that is that is quite modern, as it happens, like by mistake, it's it's in the zeitgeist somehow.
2: Yeah. We have time for some questions from all of you. So if you hold on a minute, people have microphones and they'll take them around.
0: This question is for Hugh. Uh, how did you portray the character of Adam, given the fact that he was a person with Asperger's?
1: Well, I, um, I I thought we had a very good script, and I studied the script and I read about the condition. I read. Um, Several, several different books. Um, some by people with Asperger's. And some, you, you know, um, just about the condition.
0: Yeah, I have Asperger's actually.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and I met, I met with several people with Asperger's before we made the film, um, and and talked to them, and um, you know, all people, you know, on the spectrum, um, and uh, and basically, I just tried to do as, as much homework as I could. Um, but the character was, was described in the script very well. I mean, you know, all I thought that when I studied the script, it gave me a really good idea of who he was, and it gave me a really good insight into what that condition is like, um, which is kind of hard, uh, which was hard for me because it's a, it's very different to the to the way I am. But um, I, I ultimately I had a really great time doing it. It was a big learning experience. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.
2: Other questions.
1: I got a question for Tanya. First of all, handing out vibrators at the top of rehearsal is the best thing I've ever heard about helping actors find their motivation. (laughs) But um, I just found this out about the Asperger's, but it it dawned on me that selling a period piece uh, is not very easy, nor is selling a movie that has subject matter like Porky's. (laughs) Um, but uh, how did you convince people uh, in trying to get the funding and the green light for this to not look at it as that, but look at it more as an empowering piece for women and somebody with Asperger's? Um, was that difficult for you? Well, just to be clear, the, the Asperger's—I um, played a character in a different movie who had Asperger's, a movie, a movie called Adam. But no, but I mean, I think that there, there, are, cha- there are enough challenges in this movie that you refer to anyway.
0: Uh, yeah I think uh, really truly any independent film is is challenging um, it 's funny because I think the script did a lot of the work for us i mean we made sure the, the writers and I worked kind of from day one together. it took about two years to get the script to a point we felt really that was you know as close to perfect as you can get and because um, i didn 't have it made two really small movies and while they kind of could show you that I knew where to put a camera, it wasn 't something that kind of launched my reputation and so I needed to kind of go out there and make my case every time. And, uh, uh, you know, you kind of, for us, it was just like try to get a bit of money, try to get an actor, try to, and we just built the house, you know, one actor, one bit of money at a time. But when the script was done, I kind of read it and went, well, who doesn't want to make this? This is hysterical. This is awesome. And I think you do kind of need both arrogance and naivete. You have to think, of course they're going to make this. And then you have to be dumb enough to hang in there um, because... It really is a long slog. Um, but I saw it as a romantic comedy, kind of first and foremost, and really kept my sights very clear on that, because it happens to be set in Victorian England because of the facts that surround kind of the, the joke of it, really, which is, uh, for me, that kind of cultural denial. Um, and so, I don't know, we just kept pushing, and I just bugged enough people and drove enough people insane that finally it was easier to say yes to me than to say no to me, basically. Other questions?
2: We have time Are for there? two more questions. Two more questions, here's your chance.
1: Hey guys. Hugh, hey. there seems to be like a, a twitchy energy about the character you're playing. Was that something, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, was that something that you decided to bring to the character because you thought, well, maybe this will work better with the vibe of the script? Or was that just how you believe this person was historically? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, I think that um, uh, you know, for for a good part of the movie, he's he's kind of like a square peg in a round hole. You know, he's not he's he's in this job and he's trying to convince himself that he, he's, you know, that he's happy. But, but really, you know, he's settled. He's just settled um, because he feels like he can't get get his, achieve his dreams. You know. Um, and then once he starts this treatment, you know, in that first scene with Rupert, I'm, I'm, I think at that point I'm kind of in denial about what I'm doing. I'm still insisting to myself and everybody else that it's purely medical and I'm helping these women and, you know, and, I'm, and I should be very happy about that. So, so, you know, ultimately as things kind of begin to fall into place for him and he figures out who he is really and what his values are, I mean, not, not to put too fine a point on it, but I think he, like, the real guy comes to the fore and, and by the end he's, he's in a good place, not to give away too much. But i think that's a that's a fair point or it could just be that i was twitchy that day
2: (laughs) thanks one more question
0: hi um and you kind of already touched on this about the movie representing female pleasure and sexuality and it wasn't intended to do so but do you think when people start to see it and they kind of see it as a romantic comedy but they also see the underlying currents of you know comparing modern times now and victorian times of female sexuality of it kind of picking up that battle you see how do you feel about that movie either representing that or not being representative enough i I, I, I mean i think i just don't want to lay too much on the shoulders of a kind of entertaining movie that's meant to be a romantic comedy with a little more meat on its bones i mean i made the film because i wanted to see the film (laughs) and no one else was making it and um And I felt like there were movies directed at women that were either really kind of thin and fluffy or kind of broccoli. Um, And, I mean, there were some some really good films, but I kind of thought, why can't I have something that's entertaining and makes me laugh, that just has some characters I'm really interested in who are struggling with stuff that are my interests? And it was a bit more personal than that. I I mean, I hope that people take more away, but what I hope mostly is that they go and have a laugh, basically, because I think it's an empowerment film, but the empowerment is... You, you have to make your own happiness, right? That's what it's in saying, you know, there are serious things and there are fun things, and let's not turn the fun things into serious things by medicalizing them, right? It kind of it's supposed to be a bit of fun and it doesn't take a doctor.
1: Although they are quite talented.
0: Yes. And handsome sometimes. So. Well it is really a wonderful
2: film. I've seen it. You will really enjoy it. And there's a reason these people are so well dressed. They have to go off to the premiere now. So we have to wrap this up. I feel so overdressed you. for an Apple store. It's embarrassing. <laughs> we were hoping to get a free iPhone. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming Thanks, guys. and thank Thanks you all for, for your questions.